Welcome to Ben and Woods. Try to say this nicely. When you look at Ben, Paul, and me, it doesn't scream athlete. I know you fat bastards want to eat some of this. With Ben Higgins. Go to hell, pro sports. Stephen Woods. <laughs> that was incredible. And Paul Rindo. All right. Get ready, tier ones. Oh. It's Ben and Woods. Finally the chance for somebody to get on and do some good sports talk radio. On 97.3 The Fan. Do the show, bitch. All right, welcome back. Ben and Woods, 97.3 The Fan, halfway home on a uh, on a Tuesday. Exploring the space a little bit, talking about Super Bowl week. Talked a little Padres earlier. Going to continue to talk some Padres today. Still some things to talk about. Saw some um, some interesting interesting tweets yesterday about, you know, what are you, you going to look for in spring training? I like that question. You know, what are some of the things? We're going to be out there in a couple of weeks. What are you going to focus on? There's, there's still, while this team is mostly put together, there's still some question marks on this team. I'd like to dive deeper into those question marks because that's what you do in the offseason. You pick it apart. Get very excited. I'm still very excited for the season, but I do like to pick apart. I like to put in a little bit of worry because I'm a worry wart uh, as a human. That's just kind of who I am. So I don't let. I try not to let myself get too excited. Because I know that it's a weird, stupid game that we all love so much uh, and that anything can happen. I'm Woodsy. That's Paul Rindle. It's our executive producer, Ben Higgins, friendly neighborhood sports anchor here as well. And, uh, yeah, picking at those scabs a little bit. And uh, you you wonder. We actually we, we hit up the Padres and uh, for this week just to pull the curtain back. We wanted to get A.J. Preller on. Uh, I know we're going to talk to him out at spring training. Um which is great. I love to talk to AJ. You, one of my more famous flubs came from me asking AJ Preller, how is Fernando Tatis Jr. doing? But I just completely stumbled all over myself. So I know we'll talk to him then. Unfortunately, he's going to be traveling. Uh, how's Fernando Tatis Jr. Do, how, how is Fernando Tatis just Jr. As smooth, doing? Easy for me to say. As smooth as silk. Right in front of him, too. Right in front of him. Right to his face. And then Ben asked him about the gaping hole in left field. That was fun. So... Jerickson Profar did a nice job he really, filling that gaping hole last season. <laughs> that gaping hole turned out to not be so gaping. Who would have thought? Nobody! Who would have, well, not not that Jerickson Profar had such a decent season, but who would have thought now one year later, because at this time last year we were really trying to figure out, well, who's going to play left for the Padres? That was really like a major issue going into the season. Who would have thought that this year... The Padres will be trying to decide, so is Juan Soto or Fernando Tatis Jr. going to be our left fielder? And right fielder, year? respectively. Yes. Yeah. I, was looking at, um, I was looking at some old uh, some tweets that surfaced of last year at spring training. There's a picture of the guys. Remember they did the bit last year where, like, hey, pineapple on pizza, does it belong? You remember, like, they were asking the guys as they were Padres staff. I love the question of the day. Loved it. I thought it was a great bit. We are going to be doing uh, something kind of similar but different, but more in our vein this year when we go out to spring training. We'll save that for you guys. You guys will really enjoy it. Um, But I'm looking at some of the pictures, Ben, of the guys that were standing around answering questions. I'm like, he's gone. He's gone. Yep, he's out. He's gone too. Like Profar gone, Will Myers gone, Eric Hosmer gone. You're looking at this thing going. Mike oh, Clevenger, Mike Shamanai. Clevenger gone, Shamanai gone. 
all these guys, again, more new faces in the Padres uh, clubhouse. Some of them have been with, you know, the, the team in the minor leagues and, you know, the Jay, Jason Grooms of the world. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be some guys that are going to be competing but for. not in spring training with the Padres yet. Juan Soto hasn't, hasn't yeah, participated has never been. in a spring training. Xander Bogarts. With the Padres. Josh Hader. Right? I mean, there's, like, again, a lot of new faces out there uh, every single year with, uh, with a, under A.J. Preller's. Uh, regime. So we wanted to talk to AJ this week, but he is going to be traveling. I'm assuming he's out scouting and stuff still, uh, which is good. And and who knows what he's working on behind the scenes? Do we all? Baseball's gone dead. Let's be completely 100 percent honest with each other and our audience. Baseball has gone radio silent. The entire part, the entire game. Nobody's making any moves. Nothing is is materialized. Right? I haven't seen a. Minor league signing. I've seen a couple of hey, we're inviting these guys to spring training tweets. Like I saw, I saw Nomar Mazzara is going to be invited to the Orioles spring training. You know, non roster invitee, some things like that. No trades, no moves. Very very quiet in the game of baseball. But you, right now. I think you understand that. I mean, teams have been working all off season to set up the rosters that they want to bring to spring training and. You know, we didn't have an off season like the last few years where there was a lockout and then there was, you know, big free agents that waited until the end to sign, which really holds up, you know, signings for everyone. Because when teams don't know if they're getting the big guy, they can't really go on to the secondary moves, the pieces around them. So we had free agent periods in which February was a big month. It's not this month. So teams are pretty much, you know, they set what they wanted going into spring. You're not going to make a bunch of changes right now. You want to see what you've got that you've been putting together. So now we're just we're just counting the days down. But if you have needs, and there are teams out there that have needs, certainly, and there are there are teams like I think Miami probably could still still deal another starting pitcher, so they could make a move with the Padres or anybody else that was looking for a starter. Uh, the the la- by last report, you know, they traded Pablo Lopez. Um, but they have essentially ten guys for five spots. About three of them are up and comers. That- All right. Yes, the the Marlins could trade a, a starting pitcher to address another need. There aren't a lot of teams though that have a ton of surplus at positions right. that are just looking to deal from strengths. Yes, there are a lot of teams that still have holes, but you can't fill a hole unless there's another team that's willing to deal. And unless you're willing to pretty much punt on this season and say well we could trade this guy and get we could get a great return for him right now because you know so and so is desperate to fill their gaping hole in in left field or at shortstop or wherever it is but we don't have anyone else to put there so we're pretty much saying we're punting on this year there's not a lot of teams that are willing to do that february 6th and basically say we're trading we're going to help this other team fill their need and we're going to get a bunch of great prospects but we're going to clearly signal to our fan base 2023 isn't our year, though. That being said, though, those teams, Ben, that would trade a, a three, four, five starting pitcher for prospects, are are there any of those teams that you feel like are in it? And I don't know that they're really. I, know, I mean, what are, I, other than the Marlins, is there any team with so much pitching depth that they can even trade? I don't, don't know. I, I'm, the Marlins might be the only one right now that even has the surplus to deal from, which puts them in a great spot if they are if they are willing to trade. But 
it you know it might be better to wait until spring training gets underway and you may have injuries and you may wish that you didn't trade anyone away or other teams may get more desperate because they have an injury you can get a better deal than you would right now i just think there's a reason why this is a particularly it's very dead dead week uh you got some guys still out there interestingly enough jerks and profar and Luke Voigt, two former Padres, still out there, still without teams. Uh, you got Michael Waka, and I know he's been a guy that um, that that a lot of people have connected to the Padres as well. Uh, in fact, the Athletics got him tied to the Padres, along with the Orioles, the Twins, the Red Sox, and the Cardinals. Um, decent, you know, decent pitcher, pitched pretty well last year uh, for the Red Sox. Don't know what he's looking for, but it, apparently. Uh, it says here his downward plane has always been a difference maker. He owns an impressive career record of 74 and 50. He's got a 405, 204 starts. Uh, he hasn't pitched more than 128 innings since 2017. Several contending teams need pitching depth. Several several others that likely won't contend would love to sign him with the idea of flipping him at the trade deadline. So Waka has no shortage of options. Profar, to me, remains the most interesting cat that's still out there to be signed. Yeah. I, again, don't know that he's a fit here anymore. I, I just I've, don't. Let's just say I've heard from a very high level. I, I the Padres are connected with Michael Waka. I don't know if it's getting done, but that's not just smoke. That's there's a little bit of fire there when it comes to the Padres and Michael Waka. Will it get done? I, I'm not sure, but that is someone that is definitely on their radar. Good. Why did you sit on that information? I don't know. I just you reminded me of it when oh. you mentioned Michael Walker. Okay. I heard that this we weekend. We are your home for breaking news. I heard here that on this 97 weekend. I don't know. Is Michael Walker really to the rise to the level of breaking news? That the Padres are definitely interested. I mean, they should be interested in pitching depth. Yes. Still. So it doesn't shouldn't shock anyone. But okay. that one that one's authentic. I'll tell you that. Yeah, there's not a lot, man. There's not a lot uh, left out there. But Luke Voigt's still looking for a home. And uh, Profar, still looking for a home as well. Don't know that Jerickson's a fit here. I, I don't. I wonder if he's kicking himself for, you know, opting out of that deal and 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 could have stayed here and gets his boy Tatis back and everything else. But I just don't know what the what the fit is. If Juan's going to play left and Tatis is going to play right and Grisham's going to play center, where do you play Jerickson Profar? Would you take him for what he made? Like, if you can go back in time. Eight million bucks or whatever. Would you take him for that for a fourth outfielder? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I so, yeah, right? I would. In a heartbeat. But does he want to, after the year he just put together, does he want to be a fourth outfielder? That's a huge L for Jerickson, though. Oh, yeah. oh massive. If you he takes come... a, like a one-year deal at what he would have made anyway. Eight million bucks, he, yeah. Had he stuck around with the Padres. Yeah, so. no doubt. You know, there's almost a, at that point, you're just like, let's hope some, He's got to be getting let's hope someone crap, gets injured. Yeah, put yourself in his shoes. He's got to be getting a little tense. At what because point do you like go? There's dudes at the airport leaving for spring training today, and he's like, hmm. What uh, where what are we doing? Right, that's not a good position to be in. Not really, no. Mm. Man, yeah, and you really don't want to take less. Than yeah, what you don't want to. Take, you're like, oh my god, you don't want to make a lateral move, certainly, and you certainly don't want to take less money than what you were making <sighs> for for what was a, a good year from Jerks and Profile last year. So, um, yeah, it's just been it's been really really quiet right now, really around the entire game of baseball. We talked a little bit about Fan Fest. The Padres did announce their coaching staff. Uh, over the weekend, it was uh, it was rather the only notable thing about it was how large the coaching staff for the Padres was. I counted thirteen major league coaches, including not just a, a a bench coach but also an associate manager, Ryan Christensen, getting I guess kind of promoted to associate manager from bench coach, 
Ryan Flaherty getting promoted to bench coach slash offensive coordinator within a pair of assistant hitting coaches, presumably reporting to Flaherty in Oscar Bernard and Scott Coolbaugh. And then you go through the list, and you've got Ruben Niebla back as pitching coach, Ben Fritz back at bullpen coach, Matt Williams back at third base coach, David Messias as first base coach. Matt Williams also the infield instructor, Messias the outfield instructor, Brian Esposito as a catching coach, Pete Somerville, game planning and coaching assistant, Eberto Andrade, bullpen catcher and coaching assistant, Brian Price, the former Reds manager, senior advisor to the Major League Coaching Staff, and Mike Schilt, the former Cardinals manager, senior advisor to player development and the Major Leagues. That's 13 guys. Well, you forgot assistant hitting coach uh, Oscar Bernard. I I mentioned Oscar Bernard. Oh, did you? Yeah, Yeah, uh, he's been the... He joined the Padres in 2016, been their minor league hitting instructor ever since. First first job in the big leagues uh, for Oscar Bernard. So, yeah, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, um, but the... the, I mean, that's essentially a coach for every two players. Pretty much. Pretty much. It is... Don't you think it's weird that they have, like, four hitting coaches now, but only one pitching coach? Well, I mean, the... Bullpen coach is also a pitching sure. coach, so that's kind of like like two. two pitching coaches. I don't know, man. The hitting coach thing, you know, we'll see what happens. Scott Coolbaugh was uh, was brought in twenty second season as a professional hitting coach. Got to know something, right, to make it twenty two years uh, doing something. Was uh, basically we swapped hitting coaches. Got Coolbaugh from the Tigers, sent Berdar to the Tigers. Um, he's also been with the White Sox, Orioles, and Rangers at the big league level. You've got three ex-managers to, you know, allow Bob Melvin to, you know, bump things off of with Matt Williams, Brian Price, and Mike Schilt, who have all, you know, sat in the big chair before and, and know what Bob Melvin is going through. So there's no lack of experience. Um, there's no lack of bodies. Uh, the coaching staff is very full for the Padres this year. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, if it, we had a younger manager at the helm, that would concern me a lot more uh, than it does now. Bob Melvin is a guy that's pretty confident in his decisions uh, and and calls the shots down there in the dugout. And so I don't worry too much about it. Uh, the the too many cooks in the kitchen. I think it's a really good way for um, it's really good to have have other guys to bounce ideas off of. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Eno Saris is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, so we'll talk some more baseball. Also, I saw that they're uh, trying to remake one of the best sports movies. Of all time. I hate this, man. And I don't, and people are going to say, all right, boomer. No, I'm with you. And you're, I'm a boomer and you're a millennial. I would typically call you a boomer in a lot of situations. This is not one of them. This sucks, dude. What? Why? Is a quahog. (laughs) What is a quince? (laughs) Oh, Billy. When we come back with Ben and Woods after a check of traffic. What is a quahog? It's like a clam. It's a food, yeah, yeah. Billy. It's a food that starts with the letter Q. What is a quail? thing is you guys look at me you see the backwards hat the uh, gray socks the funky outfit and you say now this guy's a chump am i right no, a, a geek, a geek. geek. exactly like all right a-
But what you don't realize is that it ain't easy. It is hard <laughs> damn work making something this pretty look like a chump or a geek. So I must be doing it for a reason. Well, you got me convinced, whatever the reason may be. Fact is, I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. Go ahead and walk away. But you miss, and you've been beat, well, not once, but twice by a slow, white, geeky chump. <laughs> nah, nah, this ain't Raymond. It's my favorite part. Raymond, is that you? <laughs> Take nah, nah, that mask this, off. This ain't Raymond. <laughs> One of the best movies ever made. <laughs> ever. Looks like a Mason's convention. It's brilliant. The original White Man Can't Jump. I'm getting in his head and I'm making you mad. Yeah, I'm making you mad. It's so good. Why did they? Why are they doing this, Paulie? I don't know. We talked about it when it like first got reported that this was, in fact, happening. I believe that you tried to sell me on it. I don't know that I did. I feel did. like you did, because I feel like you like Jack Harlow. I think I just told you, like, I've seen videos of him. He's good at basketball. Woody was really good at basketball. Yeah. Woody, they said, was better than Wesley Snipes. So are any of the original characters... Sometimes in a remake, you bring back some of the original characters. I'm sure a couple will pop up. I wonder if they're going to have Kadeem Hardison or something. Come back for this movie. Now, I was just trying to look. Everything seems to be remade nowadays. But sports movies, not a ton have been remade. I mean, once you kind of know the... The dramatic ending of a sports movie is makes it a little harder to remake it. There's been a few. Uh, I was trying to find in the annals, like Bad News Bears. They, yeah, Billy, they, Bob, the Billy Thornton. Bob Thornton remade the Walter Matthau version. I watched version. it. It was pretty good. Uh, I guess Angels in the Outfield was a remake of a really old one. Did uh, not know 1950s that. 1950s movie. I didn't know that. In football, Adam Sandler did The Longest, the longest yard. yard. That was a remake. That was okay. Uh, one of my... Mm, Favorite sports movies growing up, I didn't realize was a remake. Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty about uh, quarterback it was actually a remake of a movie called Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which was, uh, but the sport changed. It went from boxing to football. Oh, so there's a quarterback that died. He was a quarterback that died, and they got put back in a different body and ended up coming back to win the Super Bowl in uh, in that movie. So. The thing is, when they when they update movies right because that's what this is this is like an update it's a uh it's not a sequel obviously it's For a re- modern it's a, a remake audience. yeah it's not white men can't jump two, two right it's oh, what plenty of sequels yeah right what about white men can't jump is outdated that's what i always want to know like warren Beatty remaking heaven can wait they switched the they switched the uh sport and they did it 30 years later and they updated it the Longest Yard felt a little bit updated. Um, what are they updating about white? What's so played out in White Men Can't Jump that is not I, where I it doesn't know. hold weight? Like I've shown it to my kid; he loves it. He loves the original White Men Can't Jump. There's nothing about it that's outdated. It still holds up, and that movie is what twenty five, thirty years old or whatever. Ken Jennings now hosts Jeopardy instead yes, of Alex instead Trebek. of Alex Trebek. Jeopardy's 90, still 92. around though. Yeah, ninety two. So that was thirty one years. Thirty one years. But it's still, if you put it on today, you would still enjoy it just as much as you did years ago. So give me the lowdown, Paulie, on this new one. I mean, all it said, like I got the IMDb page. I was looking to see if I recognized any of the names, like bringing them back from the first movie, and I, I don't see any. It's a full-on remake. I don't feel like a boomer with this take. I really don't. <laughs> the title just says, uh, or the bio says, a remake of the 1992 film about a pair of basketball hustlers who team up to earn extra cash. Okay. It's expected, I believe, in May. 
and it'll stream, I think, on Hulu. It's Jack Harlow, and who's the other actor? Uh, I don't know who the other. Do we have the audio from yeah, the, I got the trailer? trailer. Alright, let's hear the they, trailer. The trailer came out this weekend, and uh, yeah. I probably should have asked this earlier, but how much cash do you have on you? Did you not bring enough money to cover this game? I brought like eighty minus sixty. You ready? Four ready. What's up with your boy? He's almost done. I'm like the P.T. Anderson of basketball psychological warfare. Who is P.T. Anderson? Our greatest living director. Spike Lee is our greatest living director. Spike Lee's not even a good Knicks fan. I knew this was a mistake. Man, wait it all. Yeah. It's really bad. That's all, That's just like a teaser trailer. There was barely anything. Hmm. I'm not. I'm, are you going to watch it? I'll watch it when it comes on Netflix. I have Hulu. Is it on Hulu? I think, I think that's where I saw it was going to be on. It's not on. It's not. They're not theatrically releasing this. I don't think so. All right. I'll watch it. It's tough. I mean, there are people who are younger than us who didn't grow up watching the original. Maybe it'll. But the original still exists. They could go watch True. that, and it's still great. Like I said, True. it's great. It doesn't not hold up to this day. It's still a good movie. That does not need a remake, in my humble opinion. Is there is oh, there a sports movie that you think could use a good remake? No. Can't do Bull Durham. Can't do Major League. Can't do Major League? No. A remake? Yeah. No. It's changed too much. Baseball's changed too much. Correct. And that's like a perfect movie. It's a perfect film. So is I mean White Man Can't Jump right. was Perfect. pretty darn good. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Don't don't start doing this. Don't start remaking a bunch of stuff because I don't that sounds terrible, man. Who's Jack Harley? Is he a rapper? Yeah. We're out of original ideas. I mean we we can relate on this show. It happens. You know, when it first came out, I didn't like the title of White Man Can't Jump. Oh, no. oh. It just felt kind of awkward as a title for a movie. I don't know what would have been a better title. but Black Men Can Jump? No. Would that have been better for you? Were you offended? I wasn't. No, I wasn't offended by it. I think it made the movie feel like it was going to be silly, though. It was silly. I didn't think that... There's some silly parts. Well, sure, but I think the heart of the story is very... Oh, yeah. Genuine. I'll be, too. And I think the... It almost made it seem like it was going to be a farce. When it came out to me. Like, I don't think I saw... I didn't see it in the theater. White men can't jump. I just, I, I, thought, I thought, oh, this is going to be goofy. They're trying to make a goofy basketball movie. And while, yes, it had funny moments in it, it had, it had a real story and it was a good movie. What would you have called? Basketball hustlers or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Wouldn't that be a more representative title basketball hustler. No, I thought the title was great for the it's movie. Great. You can't he can't dunk. Billy can't dunk. And then at the end the payoff that he can. He does in the biggest moment whoa, against whoa, the king. Spoiler alert. The king of the It's 30 years old. The king and the duck, he gets up, throws that one down, duck. hangs on the rim. White men could jump for one moment. White men can sometimes jump. I th- I love the title. It's very Oh, honey. <laughs> It's very risque. I think you were offended. 
No, I can't jump. A, I know a sixteen-year-old I mean, Ben was like even sixteen-year-old Ben couldn't. Jump. I don't care for this. <laughs> I loved it. I think I think it's so good. I'm gonna watch it today. It's one of my favorite it's movies so good. of all yeah, time. There's no question. <laughs> it's so effing good. And I don't. I, I hate that they're remaking it. So we go Sizzler. <laughs> All right. Well, that's coming. All right. We've got Eno Saris uh, coming back when we join us. His colleague, uh, Jim Bowden, has a uh, has a list out of what realignment in baseball could look like when they expand, probably sooner rather than later. When is that going down? It seems like there's like the more that years? I see writing about it, I've got to feel like it's within the next two or three years. Wow. Now, maybe that's when it gets announced, and then, you know, it's another two or three years before the new teams join the league, but feels like we're kind of getting close to it. Wonder what Eno has to say about that and more. Uh, we'll do that when we come back with Ben and Woods on San Diego's uh, number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Let me quickly remind you, uh, you can log in and listen to 97.3 The Fan on the Odyssey app or on 97.3thefansd.com for your chance to win a pair of tickets to Coldplay's sold-out show at Snapdragon Stadium on September 27th. Every hour you listen now through February 19th equals one entry in the contest. Back with Eno next on The Fan. Tower 97 through the fan are brought to you by Five Hour Energy. Visit fivehourenergy.com. Remember college? Five Hour Energy got you through. The energized feeling you relied on back then still works today. Rediscover Five Hour Energy. It'll get you through again. Visit fivehourenergy.com. Eno Saris going to add a little energy to this morning's program. What are you talking about? We are so energetic today. Yeah, well, there's probably, I guess there's energy. I don't know if there's been a lot of direction. That's fair. This is kind of undirected energy this morning. We'll kind of directed Eno's way right after this check of traffic on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, the rare honor, the walk-up music on the Ben and Woods show, but certainly one that Eno Saris has earned. Uh, was our baseball guy all season last year, and it's a pleasure to welcome him back our premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline for the first time here in 2023. Good morning, you know, and happy almost baseball season. <laughs> this is the toughest part. And I, I think that the, the bleed from football is just making it even worse. Yes. Because with 17 weeks and the long playoffs, you're just like, have we had the Super Bowl yet? <laughs> yeah, somebody had tweeted the other day, oh my God, I thought the Super Bowl was today. And turns out it's not. It's actually <laughs> next Sunday. <laughs> I was like, man, I feel that in my in my core, you know. But uh, tell everybody what you've been working. I, I do want to talk about the uh, your, your bounce back uh, candidates, which uh, will interest Padres fans very, very much. But uh, what else are you working on right now as the, uh, the season's about to get underway? 
Um, well, you know, one funny thing that I've been looking at are these things called the 80th and 20th percentiles uh, for, project, for, for projections. Um, and it's just really interesting to see, like, which teams have the most uh, sort of volatility in their uh, in their lineup and, and which teams are way more projectable and, and easy to sort of figure out. And, it's, you know, it's some of the bad teams are really volatile. Like the Red Sox have the most volatile players in baseball, the biggest uh, spread between their 80th percentile projections and their 20th percentile projections. If anybody knows who Adalbert Mondesi is, he might be their new shortstop. And he totally embodies this idea because he could either be really good or be injured and terrible all year. So that's kind of the Red Sox plan. Um, the Padres, though, are on the other side of this where they have uh, among the five fewest uh, players with a large uh, gap between their, uh, their, their 80th percentile outcomes and their 20th. And that's because it's, uh, it's a veteran team, right? It's a veteran team with guys you kind of know what they're going to do at this point. I mean, there's some question around Tatis and stuff like that, but uh, generally these Padres are uh, a veteran group where they're not relying on a prospect where they don't know exactly what they're going to get out of them. So that's uh, that's something I've been looking at. I find it kind of fascinating. You know, it's that it's that time of the year for like lists and projections. And uh, I saw that a couple of weeks ago you had your your top 150 fantasy starting pitchers and. Kind of worried me as I was going down the list. I didn't see any. I didn't see any Padres until we got into the twenties. But then, you know, quickly at twenty-one, Joe Musgrove, twenty-three, Blake Snell, twenty-seven, you Darvish, and then I started to think. Well, okay, if you got three of the top thirty 30. pitchers in baseball, you know, and again, these are fantasy rankings, but still, I think you can correlate a little bit. That's that's not bad. But I guess one area that the Padres are worried about well, is maybe top top end starting pitching, and then of course pitching depth in the rotation. Yes, but, you know, it's interesting. To have three in the top 30, it totally played out like this in the postseason, too, yep. where you're trying to just basically maybe steal or just, just you're kind of maybe 45-55 against their aces, you know, when you go up, when you line up one and two. But not a lot of teams have a third guy in the top 30. So then it flips in the third game where, you know, if you're throwing Snell against their third guy, a lot of times it's like, you know, definitely in Snell's favor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so what you're trying to do is just win one of the first two games and then win that that, that third game, and then you're up 2-1 in the series. So, you know, it's not – it's sneaky depth. You know, it's not um, – it, it, it isn't – the one problem I see with this roster, the one thing that worries me is uh, during the season depth at sort of fourth and fifth starter. Um, you know, I like Nick Martinez. Uh, I thought the Seth Lugo pickup was interesting – um, uh, you know, what you have there is Lugo and Morahan, two guys who were relieving last year that could be good starters. I, I, maybe you just, maybe just one of them works out and the other one is more of a swing guy on the roster. Um, that might be okay. But then Jay Groom is your best, uh, backup plan and things always go wrong in rotation. So, um, that, that's what makes me nervous. You, you're really rooting for health in the starting rotation. Yeah, I think that's that's been the thing that we've been kind of hammering uh, the most this off season. You know, your Michel Baez is another name of a guy that's seemingly finally healthy and ready to contribute. Don't know what that looks like. Can you smash a couple of these guys together? You know, to get you through that fifth game. Uh, you know, fifth game in the rotation, and then again, the Padres employed the six man rotation last year, sometimes out of necessity. And then I think Bob Melvin was a late convert too. It was like. 
Actually, I, I like this. I, I like how this is working, and it worked out in our favor. But um, do you foresee the Padres looking to add uh, depth? And if so, where would they find that depth in the next few weeks? Yeah, I, I, the free agent market is uh, is uh, it's Michael Walker combed over, picked ba- over, basically. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, pretty Michael much. Walker. I think that might actually be a smart idea, depending on I, you know. I have heard that he wants a little bit more than people want to give him. That's obviously why he's still out there, right? Um, but if the if the price comes down. Um, I think Walker would be an ideal uh, addition to this because really Martinez, Lugo, and Morihan are all guys that are sort of in between the bullpen and the starting rotation, right? If you throw Walker in, he's kind of done some relieving too, but he's a little bit closer to being a fifth starter. And so then you can be like, okay, we've got four actual starters, and then we've got three more guys that we're going to be have on the roster and we're going to figure it out. I wouldn't go to six-man rotations because that means less Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. And you want to win all those games. So yeah. you want them to pitch as much as you can go. But I would maybe piggyback because, um, you know, you don't know how many innings you can get out of Morahan and Lugo at this point. Um, and so I would piggyback them. If it, if it, if they went into the ro- into the year with this rotation, I would be make Nick Martinez a regular starter because he's done it before and more recently. And I'd do Lugo for two or three innings and Morahan for two innings. Yeah. And see, see who's better. You know, see who's 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 stretching out better, who's 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 acclimating to being a starter better, and then sort of over the course of the season decide on one of them. I guess talking to Eno Saris from the Athletic, as Woods mentioned uh, this week, you came out with your four best bounce back candidates uh, hitters for MLB in 2023. And if you told me that there was a Padre among those four, and I had to just guess, I, I guess I would have said Trent Grisham was the only real. Bounce back candidate on the Padres, yet there is a Padre on the list, and it wasn't Trent Grisham. So, kind of explain how you came up with these four names and why the Padre that uh, you picked is on the list. Yeah, well, so I did a uh, just looking at projections uh, for projected wins above replacement this coming season and compared it to last season, and uh, just looked at the biggest difference. So, I grabbed you know the twenty biggest differences, and then. You know, that doesn't always work out because people were hurt or they're near the end of their careers or whatever it is. Um, what works better is if you actually look at that list and pick your four favorite. I'm batting near 800 uh, on picking guys off of this list. And uh, if you just look at straight up the top five big, biggest bounce back, Acuna Jr. is number one. That was the easiest one to pick off this list. Sure. <laughs> Young guy, another year removed from ACL surgery. Number two, though, is Yasmani Grandal. And I just couldn't pick him because the knees are dirt right now and he's nearing the end of his career and he's a catcher. And I'm just not sure he's ever going to get back to where he was. Um, but number four on the list was Juan Soto. Wow. And, you know, I thought that was a real eye opener. Um, and there's a couple things going on with him last year that, that uh, hurt him. One that was really strange was, he was way worse in the field last year than he'd ever been. Yes. And we know. Yeah, it it continued a little bit in San Diego. It was worse in Washington. So I wonder in Washington if there was maybe a little bit of a concentration issue. They were really bad. Um and we have have seen that in the past where, you know, Bryce Harper at the end of his deal in Washington, his defensive stats got really bad in the last year. Um and it was partially because he stopped you know, trying. I mean, he literally even talked about it. You know? <laughs> like, I want the contract. I don't want to get hurt diving for a ball, you know. So 
you know, uh, I could see some of that. But I wonder if there's a fitness issue because he really uh, dropped uh, in sprint speed and he went down to like the 30th percentile in sprint speed. So I'm wondering if there was some sort of he had a calf injury in July um, after he got hit by it and then uh, and then got caught in a rundown. So I wonder if that was kind of bothering him all year. And if he can just be just a regular bad uh, outfielder instead of like one of like the, one of the three worst outfielders in baseball like he was last year, um, that'll be that'll be huge. But there's this is also... a Gold Glove finalist you're talking about. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> Gold Glove. Um, and then <laughs> and then uh, 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 the other thing is he's a big Oppo guy and uh, and uh, and with Oppo power. And that ball last year stole Oppo power. Oppo home runs were down twice as much as whole home runs. And so, you know, you know, one thing though, I remember he went to the home run derby and then he went nuts after the home run derby. And the thing that you do in the home run derby is focus on pulling the ball in the air. And so I wonder if he must know this, his pull percentage went up uh, late last season um, and he got a little bit more aggressive in the zone. And I think those two things, could lead to another vintage Juan Soto year. I did. You started uh, the the blurb about Juan Soto. You know you're a great player when being <laughs> 45% better than league average is a down year. And, yeah, I think Padre fans, I don't want to say unrealistic expectations because they were, you expected him to continue to be Juan Soto. And while there were some big hits, uh, down the stretch, while there were some big hits in the playoffs, there were a lot of walks. The OBP obviously was up. People didn't want to watch Juan Soto walk anymore. They just didn't. They wanted to watch Juan Soto rip doubles into the gap, uh, rip home runs, and it just didn't happen. We're all obviously really excited. Where do you I, – I guess it would have been tough to uh, do a bounce back on Fernando Tatis Jr. because – we just really don't know what to expect. We know what we think we're going to see, but we just don't know really what to expect from this young phenom. Yeah, and what you know, what makes it uh, really interesting is I think people are really focusing on the shoulder, and and rightfully so. We have in Cody Bellinger kind of a a, a bit of a horror story, but um, Cody Bellinger had more flaws in his swing than Tatis ever did. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know if that's a real great comparison because I think the league sort of figured out how to pitch to Cody Ballinger at the same time that he was hurt. So um, that's kind of a, a little bit different. But one thing that I had forgotten about, you remember the wrist injury? You know, he uh, that one I've heard is actually maybe more worrisome than the shoulder because he's got a screw in there now. And we just read all offseason about, you know, the screw in Carlos Correa's ankle. <laughs> yeah, and heard it and was how, even worse than we than everybody initially thought. Right, and so Carlos Correa lost you know his three hundred million dollar contract over the screw in his wrist. So um, you know there is some the, the type of bone that he that he broke there the scaphoid bone um, with the uh, with the motorcycle accident that doesn't like blood doesn't go to that bone very well. And so it's, it takes a while to heal. Um, he's a little bit lucky in, in essence that he gets all this time off because he's got a lot of time to, to rest and rehab both of these injuries. And so maybe it'll be fine. Uh, but at the same time, it's not just the shoulder. It is also the wrist. So I, I'm really watching this. Uh, and, and the other thing is he's been so good that even if you say, okay, he's going to be like 10% worse because of these injuries, he'd still be really yeah, amazing. Still be really he'd still incredible. be really good. Yep. So even if, like, he may not hit for the same power, I don't know if he'll see 42 homers again 
uh, from him. But even if he only hits 30 homers and, you know, steals 20 bags and plays good, you know, outfield defense, like he'll still be a really good player. You know, I want to get your thoughts on uh, something one of your athletic colleagues put out, uh, Jim Bowden, the former GM, about potential realignment coming to baseball as soon as they get into expansion. And we've been hearing about this now uh, for a year or two, and it feels like baseball is going to add a couple of teams. And when they do and they get to 32, they could go to eight divisions of four like the NFL does. Like, for instance, in the West, you had the Padres, Dodgers, Angels, and Diamondbacks in a very regional division. Do you think that would be good for baseball and you expect it to happen in the next you know four to five years i do i have been expecting expansion for a while it's, a, it's an infusion of cash for the owners they love that um and uh you know it's more tv markets they want more tv markets and you know honestly there are markets that the nhl and basketball are in that are you know i think big enough to support a baseball team they don't have a baseball team yet so um, you know, that's, that's what's exciting about it from the business angle. Um, I think from that, from that sort of thing, the, the realignment, I think it would be better for travel. I know that with the new everyone plays everyone schedule that they're going to have this year, uh, the Giants and Padres are among the league leaders in added miles traveled, um, true, yeah. you know, over the course of the season. And I think, uh, they're, you're getting close to adding 8,000 miles, 10,000 miles to your travel budget for the season. So having a, a, a tighter regional uh, division might help that because you still play the most games in your division, even with the, everyone plays everyone. Um, you know, there's some sadness that'll go with uh, losing some regional rivalries, but um, uh, I think most of the time you'd be in the same division as those guys. So it would just be more about losing AL versus NL, and we already lost that. That doesn't exist anymore. You know, I uh, really appreciate it. Obviously, when the season starts, we'll we'll be checking in with you again. But enjoy spring training, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Zaris uh, from The Athletic and our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. Like, for instance, the East Division of the Eastern Conference, Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, Phillies. That's quite the foursome. Mets, Yankees, Red Sox, Phillies. All in a division together. Okay. Uh, You've got the North, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, Toronto, Mid-Atlantic, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Washington, and he has a Charlotte expansion team in there. And then the Southeast, Atlanta, Miami, a Nashville expansion team, and Tampa. Uh, Then the West, Chicago, Cubs and White Sox, Milwaukee and Minnesota in the Midwest, Southwest, Houston, Kansas City, St. Louis, Texas, Pacific Coast, Colorado, Oakland, or Las Vegas if they move, Seattle, San Francisco, and then the West, we just mentioned the Padres, Dodgers, Angels, and Diamondbacks. I don't hate it. As your realigned Major League Baseball of the future. I don't hate it. Do you hate it? I don't either. I kind of like it. If you're going to play 13 games against division opponents, that's 26 games where the Padres don't even have to get on a plane for anymore. Fantastic. Angels yeah. and, and see them more, see Otani, if he's still on the team more. Yeah, he'll be on this team. At least, that's true. Yeah, wow. he'll be here. See him live <laughs> at Petco Park. All right, we got one hour to go. Rinal Report is coming up. Uh, also, an interesting interview with Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets with Jeff Passan. Very interesting. Coming up on Ben and Woods.